0: Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today, I talk to Fraser Bailey. Fraser has an unusual story, having gone from being a mentally ill butcher to a passionate vegan advocate, bodybuilder, and online strength and nutrition coach. In a struggle to overcome serious mental illness, including bipolar disorder, ADHD, and severe social anxiety... Frazier chose to walk away from the butchery industry for good. He never realized how health, fitness, and veganism would then come together to transform his life in many amazing ways. With the help of his wife, Lauren, today Frazier operates an online vegan health and fitness brand called VegUp, which he'll talk more about soon. Here we go.
1: Let's roll. Let's roll and let's let's do it and let's make it good.
0: (laughs) That sounds great. I appreciate all of that and I'm excited to chat. Thank you for joining me, making time this morning.
1: Absolutely, for sure.
0: So we are going to start with the question that has everything to do with the podcast name, Consciously Clueless. Where are you right now on the spectrum from conscious to clueless? How are you feeling?
1: It's funny because I feel like, and I'm sure that most people can attest to this, often you feel like a bit of a pendulum, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost yeah. like as you, as you get through to, I guess, another proverbial level of consciousness, you then realize that there's a lot more things you're clueless about too. So it's almost, <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like that Dunning-Kruger effect of as you learn more, you realize that you actually have more unanswered questions. But yes. I think the beauty of that is it's almost like a, a compass, right? It's almost mm. like the more unanswered questions you start to generate and accumulate. I think as a byproduct of being clueless you actually almost become a bit more conscious as well. So (laughs) I think it's a pendulum. Um, I I like to think that I'm reasonably conscious, but every time I think I am, I look back in hindsight a year from now, five five years from now, and I'm like, I was like, I was like completely unconscious and I thought I was conscious. And so I don't want to give myself too much credit recognizing that in hindsight, I'm going to look back and probably cringe at my statements. (laughs) You're doing
0: the best you can in this moment, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah
0: totally i love that because it's so true that you know you think oh wow i've really like arrived i've really gotten to this place and then even just a few months later you're like wow i had no fucking clue what i was doing (laughs) it's wild
1: i mean literally and i mean sometimes it can be a matter of weeks and months like you said it doesn't take years to develop this hindsight you can look back a few months ago and be like what was i even saying yeah (laughs) At that level of consciousness i think as you break through to like another level you realize there's a lot more cluelessness that comes with that and it's it's an explorative process you know so that's kind of where i'm at if you can decipher any of those ramblings
0: <laughs> i'm here for it i was like nodding my head ferociously the whole time i was like yep absolutely yeah so so tell me a little bit about what's going on for you now we have tried to connect in the past. You were doing some traveling with your family. What is going on with you? Where are you at?
1: Yeah. So right now we're in Louisiana, um, where our home base is. Uh, we're actually moving up to uh, and traveling up to Tennessee and the Smoky Mountains very soon Beautiful. next month. Yeah. We're looking for some uh, land up there that we can just develop a little sort of sustainable uh, setup. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've, mm-hmm. I've really, that's been, I think that's been another level of consciousness that I've developed. Um, and, and our communications is that beyond just being vegan and, and going through this journey of self-discovery, now it's coming to a point where I, I want to learn self-sustainability and I want to learn how to garden and I want to learn mm-hmm. how to, to do things with my own hands mm-hmm. um, to a much greater extent than I ever ever done before. Um, and so that's kind of an exciting chapter to me of like I became conscious and then I realize how clueless I am in a multitude of these things. And I'm like, yeah. okay. But from a growth mindset perspective, I'm like, okay, I'm clueless in a lot of these things, but it doesn't mean I can't cultivate the skills right. and, and learn these things. I mean, all of these skills, gardening and how to capture your own water and just everything and anything, it's acquired skills. And so from that perspective, I'm excited to, to embrace that. Um, we just came back from New Zealand, which is my home country. Um, we were there for six months to visit family. So that was the first time that our daughter, Zia, got to meet my side of the family, my oh, wow. her grandparents. So that was a really powerful experience. It was it was a beautiful experience for her. More than anything, it was a beautiful experience for myself, being able to see my parents connect with her. Yeah. Um, almost getting to relive parts of my childhood through her, watching how they connected with her. Oh,
0: wow. So that was beautiful.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, there was, it was bittersweet moments leaving, um, mm-hmm. you know, for one, my dog that I have back there, Long story short, I got her when I first started my healing journey. So I'd been through lots of trauma. I, I'd worked in a butchery. I'd done all these things that had created layers of trauma mm-hmm. and dysfunction. And when I realized that I needed to like detox my life from pretty much everything, mm-hmm. um, I realized that if I just removed myself from all these situations, it's like this gaping void in my life. And so this little dog that I got, Ellie, she became that that guide for me, that bridge, that bridge yeah. from, yeah, that bridge from where I was to where I knew I had to go. Anyway, long story short, she, um, she's 12 now, but she got diagnosed with a really aggressive form of cancer. And so she does have limited time on this yeah. planet. There, And so it was very bittersweet knowing that the, that farewell was probably the last time. Um, and she doesn't, you know, and it's not like I was, I, I will be there for her passing. So it, there's a lot of, Uh, weird emotional challenges that come with, with that process. Um, But I feel like I'm at a point in my life where I'm able to process a lot of challenging things quite well Mm. um, because I'm able to reframe them and shift my perspective on them, you know? So like, yes, like these challenging things happen to us all. We all suffer through loss and transitions, but how we respond and how we perceive and how we react to those challenges is really something under our own governance Right And and I remind myself of that. So I can, rather than just being sad and depressed about it, I can appreciate, like I really, if anything, I really took time while I was there to spend quality time with my grandparents, to spend quality time Mm. with Allie. Like more quality than most people who just live in the same town as their family. Yep. Because you just fall into this guise that you're going to see them every day and it's going to last forever. Absolutely. And I think for me, Yeah. So that for me, that transient realization that this life is temporary was much more profound going back there. So if anything, it gave me more more rich experiences. But we're back now and it's another chapter. And so I'm Mm -hmm. excited for that journey. So that's kind of in a nutshell where we're at right now in terms of our transitions and where we're heading.
0: So you sprinkled like a bunch of things I want to kind of pick back up on, you were sure, like, oh absolutely. yeah, lo- loads of trauma and working in a butchery and all that stuff. So can we go yeah. back a little bit and if, you know, share whatever you're willing about that experience yeah. and, and that um, that part of your journey?
1: Absolutely. So yeah, you know, I, I went to a, a good school. Um, uh, I struggled a lot. Uh, it was one of those scenarios where I was the the A for effort student for a while, and I was getting D's and C's in achievement. Mm. And that kind of is more insulting to yourself because you feel like you're <laughs> trying, but, but you're quote unquote stupid. Yeah. Um, and so it got to the point where I kind of burned out on that fuel. Where then I started doing D's and C's for effort and getting D's and C's and E's for. Achievement. You were like, and if I this did- is
0: what I'm gonna make, then
1: yeah, I might as well just go be a butcher, right? I might as well just go do something with my hands, physical that doesn't involve a lot of cognitive function.
0: Mm-hmm. And um,
1: so I, I was working as a in the butchery as a student, cleaning up in the afternoons after school, just part time. I just fell into it. Like I was just looking for a part time job. Yeah. Um, my dad wasn't you know, going to just give us an allowance for doing nothing. He's like, go out and do something. And I went, and obviously at that time, a lot of the kids after school were going to work at the supermarkets. That was an easy mm. place to get the jobs. And for whatever reason, they just put most of the young guys in butchery. Uh, it's just mm. one of those things, whether it's a weird sort of uh, masculinity paradigm. I, I've got my thoughts on that. But they put a lot of the women in sort of customer service roles and in checkout roles where they're interacting with, people and all the other guys are just kind of put into this dark giant fridge full of corpses. Um, and yeah. And so I fell into that, not intentionally Mm. anyway, recognizing that I wasn't doing well in school. And I was like, I just, I'm just stupid. Like I can't do like, why is everyone else so much better than me? And I had this fixed mindset and at the time in hindsight, I didn't realize how much my diet and my lifestyle was contributing to a lot of challenges because, you know, being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, Mm. severe social anxiety, ADHD during my teens, during this period of time, it wasn't back then as common. Like these diagnoses weren't as common as they are now. And so I, not only did I feel more alone, but I felt like I had all these stories around what my limitations were basically. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not good at school and I'm not good at this and this cause I have this, this and this. And it led me to leave school. I left school when I was 16. Oh wow. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go out and make some money. That's my, that was yeah. my mentality. And so I went out and I uh, proposed to uh, m- my boss at the time. I said, you know, I, I want to leave school. Can I work full time? And I had a decent work ethic, I guess. Well, at least they saw that in me. So they hired me on as an apprentice. And so an apprentice butcher is essentially like the bottom of the totem pole. You just get given all the, the most awful jobs you can imagine. And that period of my life was really challenging because you think about this. If you're already going through some mental dysfunction and mental challenges, yeah, if you put yourself in an environment where the majority of the men or the majority of the people in that environment also have alcoholism and drug habits and spousal abuse and different challenges of their own, it's like you're walking into a lion's den. Basically, you're walking into an environment that's going to put jet fuel on the fire that's already burning in your own mind. Yeah. And so the environment really then exponentially exploded like the the downhill decline of my my attitude and my health and everything and I worked in that environment for about five years so it wasn't just like I was there for a year it was like a extended period and five years to me back then as you know as when you're younger five years is a long time like when you're in your teens going from 16 through to 21 that's a huge period of your life yeah and so that felt like 20 years Mm -hmm. and I got to a point in my life where I was so depressed, you know, like waking up in the morning. And um, the first thing I would do, like, talk about, you know, I'm sure, you know, you being into yoga and like where we're at. And now we have these like routines in the morning to like get ourselves in the right mood. My routine was like, grab my pack of cigarettes, like, turn on my phone light and like smoke in bed. Like, I would be in bed, like, just. And and that was like the first action that I took in the morning. And then the next one was like, often just a cry because I literally would Mm. be fearful about the environments. Like you go in there, you don't know if you're going to be picked on, bullied, um, or today they're going to be your your friends today, or you're going to do like one little thing wrong and you're going to piss someone off enough that they're just going to pick on you all day. And so there was a lot of that sort of high school bullying that then transitioned for me into into the work environment. So at um, that
0: point, at the end of this kind of five-year stint, you are hating this, right? Like this is, you're hating
1: it. Absolutely hating it. Like I, I, I literally had this epiphany one morning where I thought to myself, if I don't, if I, if I'm doing this another year from now, I don't even think I'm going to be alive. Like that's, that's literally the thought that I had. I thought to myself, could I see myself doing this one year from now? And I literally couldn't even see myself being alive if that was the case.
0: You're like, I won't make it it. I literally won't make it
1: like physically psychologically I literally won't make it and so that really was like a spark in my head that I do, I didn't know what I wanted to do but I just knew that I had to walk away. Yeah. And so that was the like the first thing, the first epiphany of like I don't know what I want to do but I have to walk away because that industry to me is very toxic. I mean mm-hmm. it definitely breeds a lot of a lot of aggression, a lot of addiction. Um I saw a lot of horrible things like, you know, working in there, things that we would do, like with the ground meat, the sausage, all the different, like there's lots of tips and tricks and hacks and things that they do behind closed doors that the average person, the average consumer has no idea that goes on. And, and probably um,
0: doesn't want to, right? That cognitive dissonance.
1: definitely doesn't want to, like an ostrich with the head in the sand. I'd rather just be ignorant. And that you can, you can see that premise across the board with almost everything in life. Yeah. Like people would rather live yes. in the sort of Passive state of uh, medicate, like you know, self medicated zombiness,
0: yep. than
1: to, to truly like wake up to what's happening. And so that was at a point where all I knew was that I, I went into like I was very fortunate, I will say that at that point in time, I think my family knew that I really needed help. Mm. So I moved I moved back in with my my dad and my stepmother at the time because I actually left uh, home quite young and I didn't talk to my family for about two or three years. Like we, it was like a, like we, we ended very badly early on. And I just like cut all communications with them for a period of time. And, um, but then I think somehow through the grapevine, they heard that I was struggling and then through different people. And then they were able to reach out to me and we connected. And basically I went back home for a while and I didn't really do anything for about six months. Like I didn't work. I was just almost incapacitated. Like I, was I didn't was just gonna work. say
0: you were probably that trauma brain. You probably were just like yeah. shutting down.
1: Yeah, like I didn't do anything. I except just try and like function, like on a day to day basis, and just survive. And so I was fortunate that I had that support. And during that time, that's when I started to go see um, a, psych- a psychotherapist. And cause I'd been to see psychiatrists and stuff. And so I was heavily medicated for all these different things. And for me, none of those things really worked. Like I was heavily medicated, but nothing really seemed to actually be working. Mm-hmm. And that really was frustrating for me because obviously I thought that this would be a solution. And for me, it wasn't right. And I was like, why is, why is this not hap- Why is this not working? And I realized that it's like, it's like you taking like a fat burning pill or taking some type of like supplement and expecting to be like an amazing shape without having to do the diet or the training. yeah. And so like I was doing the pill thing, but from a psychiatric perspective, but I wasn't doing the lifestyle thing at all. And so that was a huge missing part of the equation. And what I found was that as I went to see the psychotherapist, that was more part of the lifestyle stuff. He was talking yeah. more about like my lifestyle, my routines. He's like, you know, like you have a lot of sort of like anger and frustration that obviously had uh, proliferated from being in the butchery. Have you ever thought about working out before? And at the time, like, I mean, honestly, I'm almost 38 now. YouTube was barely a thing back then. This was (laughs) right at the dawn of um, social media didn't exist. And this was, I mean, it did exist, but it was right in its early infancy. And so you couldn't just, there wasn't this big fitness culture online where you've yeah. got like, like FitSpo and Fit Pros and all these things. Where you can and just look can,
0: up a video and.
1: You can just, yeah. Exactly. So there wasn't any of that. And the fitness culture wasn't as much of a mainstream mm-hmm. thing as it was. And so I didn't even really know the benefits of working out. Like I was like, I oh, will, I knew obviously you could look like a bodybuilder. Right. But I was like, at the time that didn't interest me. And I didn't know that it could change your mood and affect like your cognition and the quality of your life. Mm-hmm. And so what I found was that he, he proposed that to me and I was like, well, I guess I'll give it a shot, you know, I'll just try it and see what happens. And I went and that was really the start of the journey for me. That was really the start of the new path that I, that I ventured into learning about training. And all of a sudden what I found was that, you know, like if you've been in a bad environment before, and you're you're you know you're used to staying up late and going to parties and clubs and bars and all these things, what's associated with that stuff, like drinking, drugs, just like craziness, fights, or whatever? Yeah. Whereas all of a sudden now, if you're going to work out in the morning at 7 a.m. on friday on saturday and sunday morning and that's your thing you don't stay up late anymore like you're so you're so looking forward to like that thing in the morning that routine in the morning that all of a sudden you as a byproduct of looking forward to that other thing you remove yourself from those old environments and it doesn't feel like you're losing something and so what happened was is as i started to integrate these new routines and i found like a lot of the old routines like fell away and shed away as a byproduct of getting these new things and when I realized that I could literally change my physique and change my appearance and my strength, that was like the first aha moment in my head of I actually have control over something. Yeah. Like I can actually change something in my real world that, that – You can that, see that, it. a res- There's a, yeah, there's a result there. It's not just this sort of hyperbole or this like philosophical concept floating in the ether. Mm -hmm. There's actually real world tangible result from the work that I put in. And that really then opened the door. And that's when I started to wonder about nutrition. Mm -hmm. So that's when, that's what propelled me to go back and study um, nutrition and physiology at college, because all of a sudden I learned this new thing that I love. And I started to notice how I felt better and better as I improved how I ate, but I was still eating like a bodybuilder, but it was, okay. it was, it was whole foods rather than junk food. Okay. So yeah, it was still like well, tons of eggs, tons of fish, tons of right. chicken and that stuff, but it was, it wasn't donuts. It wasn't, you know, pizzas.
0: wasn't processed. And so that,
1: exactly. So that step in and of itself was exponential for me. And then that's really what led me down the path of learning about nutrition and the the rabbit hole has been an amazing journey thus far because I feel like, like you were saying, every level of consciousness that I get to, I look back and I realize how little I knew. And so now <laughs> I'm at the point where I never, I know that I've never got it all figured out or, or answered. And I even tell people like even to this point now doing what I do with vegan nutrition and optomology, how do you optimize your state? How do you optimize your physique, your state? Your mental state, your psychology, your health yeah. through plant-based nutrition—like things will always change and adapt. And I, as I learn more, things change. So basically, it's been this like ongoing evolution. But it—it it started in that really, really challenging place early on, and it was very difficult. You know, I mean, I like people would say, "Oh, would you go through it again?" And I mean, sure. Like if I had to, I would, but I wouldn't want to. Right. Um, but if it would, get, but if, but if it would give me the wisdom and the insight that I have now, then so be it. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, I wouldn't want people to have to go through that level of suffering for such a prolonged amount of time, if they can understand and learn some of the concepts that I know now.
0: Which is really beautiful and really lovely that you're willing to share those things that you've learned, because it might hit that spark for someone else without having to experience that, right? Like exactly what you're saying.
1: I'm all about learning from other people now, like why, why reinvent the wheel? Yes. Right. So why, why go through some degree of suffering in life is unavoidable. Mm -hmm. I think we all suffer to some degree, but I think a lot of people go through massive amounts of unnecessary suffering. And so if you look at the suffering, just that people endure, it's so much of it is self-inflicted and unnecessary based on their Unwillingness or naivete around not trying to reinvent the wheel or not feeling like their situation is so unique and special that no one else understands, and so I think a lot of people fall into that category of like they struggle to be vulnerable, um, they struggle to share things. I find this to be very true within the sort of on- the male entrepreneurial space. You have a lot of guys who puff their chest up like peacocks and they have all their feathers (laughs) fluttering around and they're like, look at me with my fancy cars and my Rolex watches. And I'm a big real estate guy and I'm a hotshot and I got this. You're nailing this. You
0: are nailing the stereotype. And
1: and, and so they're they're puffing themselves up like a peacock, right? Yeah. And everyone can see the pillars in their life that are not dialed in because their face is swollen. They're 40 pounds overweight. And I know all the negative things that are associated with looking that way. And it's immense. And so mm-hmm. we live in this sort of like era of like people, like these people will struggle to be vulnerable because they're an expert in one area, which means that they don't want to look like a beginner in other areas. Yes. yes. My mental- have you noticed like my mentality is that you can be absolute, have expert, absolute expertise in certain areas and be completely ignorant and a total novice in other areas. And that's Okay. Mm -hmm. like that's actually a good thing i always i'm always skeptical of people who are like a jack of all trades and seem to think they have a lot of mastery around everything but they don't really have the results in their life to back it up and so i think okay you have a lot of book knowledge but you don't have a lot of like actual real world knowledge and so that to my point like i think that you people need to recognize that it's okay to be a novice or a beginner or have ignorance around certain areas and pillars in your life, and then I think it's important to not try and reinvent the wheel um, yeah. and look at and look at people that have the results that you want and model from them. And I'm telling you, Carly, if I did that when I was in my teens and early twenties, <laughs> I would have I would have like suffered immeasurably less and I would have got and I would have had a much more enjoyable life growing up Mm -hmm. but I didn't I didn't have that knowledge base that I do now so if I could tell anyone anything it would be to you know just because you might be an expert in one area it's okay to be naive and a beginner in others in fact it's a good thing because you can't be an expert in everything and don't try and reinvent the wheel and if you A good litmus test is does the person you're communicating with giving you feedback or advice, do they have the result that you want? Mm. If they don't have the result that you want, then you should probably disregard their opinion. If they have the result that you want and or you have invited them as someone who can give you like expert counsel, then by all means, take that advice. Mm -hmm. And so I wish that I had that knowledge back then. You know and so it's been a it's been a a journey and even to this day like i said to you at the start with the self-sustainability stuff and the gardening and things like that i'm a i'm a total beginner on that front yeah but i'm not but i don't i'm not ashamed to say that either and i'm and i'm prepared because then that way people can meet you where you are and they're not going to give you advice that's too advanced for you
0: yes you know it's like it's like if you're a
1: beginner with yoga. And You try and act like you've done yoga for the last 10 years, and then someone gives you like a really brutal flow, and like you can't even hold the pose for 10 seconds, it's not going to be helpful for th- you. It's better yeah, that then you... you just
0: feel shitty,
1: yeah, like Ew. you just feel I'm a failure, you know. Yeah. I'm a failure. And it's like, no, like you just need to give people a realistic uh, position of where you're at so they can meet you where you are, you know. So if you you
0: went from this very traumatic experience to kind of this rock bottom ish place and starting that process. So how did that lead to being vegan?
1: Wow. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) I I look back now and it was, it it really was like a a constant shedding of of stories and, and and proverbial skins, you know? So like, I feel like some people have, this sort of transition in their life where they have this massive epiphany. They're like, you know, something happens and they go vegan just like in one, they go from being like completely down one end of the spectrum to the other in like one day. Yeah. But for me, it was like an evolution, like a series of processes that I walk through where, um, first of all, obviously, like I said coming from being a butcher and having seen the environment that that was like you know that really deterred me from eating like you know it's unfortunate because i feel like the conditioning and many people and including myself was so deep that i would avoid eating certain things because i saw something that was negative about that but i would still eat other things you know so like for instance when i was an apprentice we went to like a big uh, slaughterhouse as part of my apprenticeship and i saw a cow coming down the run there and, and the, the poor thing was. Completely petrified. I mean, it was of like course. if you saw a do- if you saw a dog like completely petrified for its life, like eyes bulging out of its head, like foaming at the mouth, just really scared. And um, they were using like a bolt gun to obviously like try to quote unquote stun the animals before they start to dismember them. Anyway, there was one that I swear like it thrashed its head at the last minute and it didn't get the prop the bolt, mm-hmm. and they started dismembering it while it was still at conscious. I mean, the thing was literally eyes open clearly conscious it wasn't clearly some sort of nervous reaction and that memory has never left me and that happened um, that happened about 20 years ago Oof. and I, I and I stopped eating a lot of beef after that I really didn't eat beef at all that really kind of haunted me but this the unfortunate part was the conditioning was so deep that I still eat chicken and yeah. I still eat fish everything else and so like i thought that i could kind of avoid certain things like kind of like partial consciousness and um it got to a point you know where even um uh, even during my health journey i was still consuming a lot of animal products but uh, when i came over to the us where my wife lauren lives she was always in a bit more of a i mean we're both spiritual people Mm -hmm. but she tends to be even more so than me and she and I feel like a, a spirituality and yoga and things like that really align with veganism on a multitude of levels. Right. And and I think that she was very curious just about how she would feel and, and like mm. what she would experience like on an energetic level, on a psychological level, on an emotional level. Um, and it, it started by reading um, Dr. Will Tuttle's book, The World Peace Diet. Yes,
0: it's been on my list forever, but I never have actually read it.
1: And so she read that book. It was funny because we would go out to visit uh, her grandmother once a week, and it was about a 30-minute drive there and back, and she would read that book while we were in the car driving, and she would read like a Mm. chapter each week. And it just kind of started to kind of permeate into the back of your head. Everything that he was saying was making so much sense. Like it was like common, it seemed like common sense, but not common practice, and that's when my wife, Lauren was like, well, I'm just going to give it a shot and see what happens. And it was like no expectations. It was just kind of this like open ended thing. Mm-hmm. And I was at the point where, you know, I, at this point in time, I'd got off all my medications. Oh, I was wow. completely medicated and I'd been medication free for a number of years. So I knew the power of change. And I knew the power of like, if you think you can do something, you can usually make it work really well. Mm-hmm. If you have enough mental belief that you can relearn old patterns or unlearn old patterns, and relearn new ones. And so I'd got off all my medications. I have been on medications for years now after being diagnosed with all those things that I mentioned to you. And I was like, what if this is another layer in my journey? Like I got off all these medications that was like shedding one layer for me personally. What if like uh, shedding the animal products and this story around what i need to be a, a fitness person or a bodybuilder is another one of those stories i need to shed and so i did it over like a one month period where I, I removed the obvious things first so i would already stop consuming dairy um okay. we were doing like plant-based protein and just you know mm-hmm. almond milk and stuff like that or like different like nut milk hemp hemp, hemp milk oat milk that type of thing um but then i did I removed chicken and I was doing a little bit of fish and eggs for the first week. And I was, repla- I was adding things in. So rather than just like removing things, I added things in to crowd out the old foods. So as a byproduct, these things fell to the wayside. So I would add in quinoa and I would add in tempeh and I would add in like chickpea mm. recipes and veggie burgers and different things. And I started to crowd out all those old foods and i remember the last thing i had to do was about 3 weeks in and it was just doing some e- some farmers market eggs post workout after my workout r- routine and i just swapped that out with like tofu scramble and um and from that point it was like effortless i felt like am i am i here now like have i arrived you know like it was just there was yeah. no there was no friction there was no there was no like uh, remorse. There was no like, oh, like this is going to be so hard. It was just this natural sort of shedding. And um, eight years on and I've never looked back, you know, mm-hmm. and if anything, every year I learn more about veganism and more about nutrition and how it affects our body and our psychology and our endocrinology and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, really it's just been so like for me it was like waves of progression, you yeah. know, and, and so now – I just share that that journey, that story to say, hey, like anyone can change. You know, if I was down that end of the spectrum eating tons of animal products as a butcher, not even knowing what vegans were, making the transition, not only making it work, but sticking with it long term. Because I do think a lot of people come into veganism and they might do it for like six months or a year and then they go back. Yeah. And I and I have my perspectives on that, and and I have and I have my reasons what I think the underlying motivations were or lack thereof. Um, but eight years in, I like to think of myself as someone who's really stood the test of time with it now. Totally. Uh, and I feel good. Like I, I can never see myself going back. Um, I, there's no need for me to. I feel like it would be almost devolving to a lower level of consciousness for me now, and I have no, uh, no reason to. So that's that's the journey. You know, it's been a, it's been a lot of shedding of skins.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we've kind of identified, you know, like the bodybuilding space, the butcher space, like these are kind of alpha male, like hyper masculine spaces. What has that juxtaposition been like for you to be in those spaces and then transition to vegan, which is, you know, sometimes not that
1: feminine. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually think it's a cool thing because I, I feel like some of the strongest men, um, have the courage to go against the status Mm. quo. Yes. Or, or normality. I actually think some of the most prolific leaders that you, you look at in history were people who had the courage to stand up and do something that at the time was unconventional um, and had an ability to rally people around them. And so I actually tell people that I, I actually think it's a cool thing because you can walk into these environments and you can frame it from that perspective. And it all of a sudden changes the dynamic completely. Yes. And and I actually think, um, you know, a, a big reason why there's a lot of trouble with with men and mental health and all these things today is two things. I mean, obviously, there's a deep subject, but one is a lack of sort of connectivity with their feminine side. Mm-hmm. Um, but or two, um, like a pseudo masculinity. Um, they think they're masculine, but it's like layers of ego and layers yeah. of crutches and stories and and narratives. They tell themselves that they need to be macho. Like if they don't do X, Y, Z, they're not macho enough. And that's like, that's actually to me a weakness. It's actually a weakness for people to think that. And if you can see that and be the person who walks the path less traveled, because it's less traveled and it requires you becoming more disciplined and mentally confident in your, yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, like I tell people like I've got, I coach a lot of like high performing people now and people who are doctors and real experts in their fields and even like former special forces, like guys that are like the the macho of the macho. Yeah. And I, and I frame it from that perspective of dude, do hard things because you can Yeah. do hard things because you can. And, and and because it's a freaking honorable thing to do mm-hmm. and that you can look at everyone else taking the easy conventional paths full of brainwashed behavior mm-hmm. and you do the hard thing because you can and um it fires them up they're like holy yeah. crap man like i didn't think of it like that you know and and also lastly to say that i do think there is something to be said about like you know if you're physically strong and you want to share that that as a as a message then you working on your physical, you know, whatever that is. Like if you want to be like a beast with yoga
0: right. or you want to
1: be a beast with powerlifting or, or, or like endurance, be, become prolific at that thing. Well, at least yeah. become, at least become good at that thing. Yeah. And in that way, people can't argue with you and say, oh, well, I couldn't hold all these yoga poses because I wasn't getting enough protein. And you're there holding it for like 10 minutes, you know, so um, it's the same like when people uh, say things to me like, oh, like I worry, you know, I'm going to get enough protein. I lose my muscle and strength. I'm like, come train with me for an hour and let's see who crawls out of there first. Yes, yes, and, yes. And, and, like, <laughs> and, and so Yeah. And so I let that speak and I can tell like they know through the confidence of my words. They're like, okay, this guy's not playing. He's going to absolutely destroy me on the weight floor if I like, you know. And so it's an example of like, an- again, another narrative another Mm -hmm. story and that's actually like a weak link in the chain and so I think that when guys especially can see that um not only just showing compassion Mm -hmm. um you know compassion doesn't just extend to other humans it can extend to other sentient beings you Mm -hmm. know like if we're living in a world now that we can be I would argue argue actually truly optimally healthy on a plant-based diet and eliminate unnecessary suffering from that equation why wouldn't we do that and that to me is just it's obvious to me now and from that perspective of i even challenge people i'm like look how emotionally you are uh, you are addicted to bacon or like look how emotionally addicted you are to these things and i'm like do you want to be that weak like you want to shed layers because it's going to get you to the best version of yourself. And when they realize that like their attachment to food is actually kind of a weakness um, that adds like a level of challenge to people that I think kind of fires out that masculine, like competitive nature. Yeah. So yeah. it's about, yeah, it's about reframing it. I think it's about, it's about redirecting that energy basically.
0: That's a really good way to put it. And, And a good way to like reach people where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're not going to push someone overnight, but if you can find these ways, like, well, come train with me, see what you think after that hour. And then we'll go from there instead of being like, here is exactly what you should do and change your life in 24 hours.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I'll be the first to tell you, like I've worked at the Daytona 500, um, with some of the vegan bodybuilding teams, where we would hand oh. out, you know, we would hand out like, you know, Beyond Burgers and things. And, you know, I don't really consume that stuff myself now. I stick to more whole food plant based diet, but I think that's a very useful tool to open people's minds. And for totally. people who just like, and people just who enjoy it and just wanna do it, go for it, right? Yeah. But the, my point being, if you've ever, if you don't know what the Daytona 500 NASCAR crowd looks like, it's <laughs> literally like people, people who drink Bud Light for breakfast. And they smoke a they smoke a cigarette and bud light and that's their breakfast and they got missing teeth and so that is the <laughs> the type that's a type of demographic you're speaking to about oh, veganism shit. and so they're like that they have no clue like what it is but and, and they're like such ferocious bacon eaters but if you can if you can show them with your physique and your presence and your stature and then you can speak their language and meet them where they are. And I tie in my story of being a butcher yeah. and eating tons of meat before. And it's more relatable. They, they, they don't think that you've just been some like, bo- like vegan since birth, like mm-hmm. hippie living in the forest, eating beans and rice your whole life. You know, like they, 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 they feel like you can resonate.
0: Right. And I
1: feel like that, that drops the defense system. It drops yeah. the armor down. And once that defense system comes down, that's when you can do that redirection and that re channeling of people's um, focus. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be really powerful. Now, obviously, um, you've just got to prioritize your energy. You know, I can't make I can't make people change. I can't change every single person I have an interaction with. But, you know, it's that cliche of like when the, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, or like, you know, Mm -hmm. be that be that breath of fresh air for people when they wanna come up. And get out of the water and breathe. Yeah. And so that's what I—that's how I operate. And then that way, it, it, I don't hold on to like resentment around people who don't want to change or are not ready to change yet. Recognizing that if I get frustrated and I channel my energy into these people, um, I, I, I miss out on channeling energy into the people that are ready.
0: Yes. And, absolutely. You know, So one thing, next time you're at the Daytona 500 giving up beyond meat burgers, I want to be there. And two, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think that that cognitive dissonance piece, that ability to kind of say, oh, that's that thing that's different than what I do, or that's not like, that's not happening here. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you've gotten this before where people hear maybe your experience in the butcher shop. And they're like, well, that I'm sure was just the shop you were in. Like that, it's got to be different other places, but it's not right. Like that's
1: no, and I I, and I actually worked in different places too, so I didn't just work in one place. So I know that uh, it was across the board, and also from my understanding, practices in New Zealand are more strict and controlled than they are here in the US. And so I would argue that things are probably worse here than there. So what I experienced and saw was probably the tip of the iceberg in terms of what actually happens. And I've connected. You know, I've, other butchers and other people within those industries have heard my story and connected with me. Huh. And people people in England, people in South Africa, different countries have all who have been in these industries have all reaffirmed things that I witnessed. So this is, this is a systemic thing. And, you know, I say to people, um, I think once you have that realization that, you know, your, your dog is your cat, is your, is a chicken, is a cow, is a pig. And you, you see the sentient nature in your dog and the way they look at you. And then you see the sentient nature in the pig and the way it looks at you. And you realize that, you would be horrified and scarred for life if someone dismembered your dog in front of you or dismembered a dog in front of you. And I think just having that realization and and truly, truly sitting with it and not choosing to want to be plugged into the matrix. You know, like if anyone's ever watched that movie, um, there was a guy cypher and he was the guy that wanted to be plugged back into the matrix. Like he was so tired of the real world. He wanted to be plugged back in anyway, it didn't end well for him. And going back, <laughs> Spoiler going, back
0: alert.
1: In, yeah, going back, going back into unconsciousness to me is never a good progression in your own evolution. Mm. Um, if it just, even if it just like temporarily, uh, satisfies your emotional taste buds, um, and like I said, like do hard things because you can.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, and and I do think that um, beyond you know when you when you make that connection with that sort of cognitive dissonance, then you start looking at f- looking for it in other areas of your life as well. Yes. I've noticed it becomes like a radar, like a compass, and you start to really notice a lot of nuances in your life about all kinds of world issues and challenges. And it makes you a much more aware person. And I think what it can actually do is it can shine light on your relationship with yourself, yeah. um, your old your old childhood patterns. And you know that like coming back to my point, I see like a lot of people who think they're high performing and they think they're like really successful. And I can tell looking at them, they're overweight, they're puffy, their lymphatic system is backed up. They look like they've got sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. I can tell there's hormonal things going on all contributed to their lifestyle. And so they might have a Rolls Royce and a big Cuban cigar or whatever, and a nice real estate portfolio, but it's very clear what is missing in their life. And that to me is the weak links in the chain and I really go at um, men about that because mm-hmm. I feel like that brings their vulnerability to the surface. And all of a sudden they realize, wow, like I'm not as not a good of a father as I thought I was. Mm. I'm not as good thing about this. You know, I say to people, if you're not the healthiest version of yourself, you are going to be a burden on your family at some point in your life.
0: Oof. Like if you,
1: if they yes. have to, if they have to care for you, it's gonna do you have the money to pay for that care or are they going to have to look after you and get you out and change your diabetic socks and sure. wipe your butt and do all these things early on and look after you for a long time because you didn't do it and do you want to be that burden on them and do you not want to show up to with your to your to your spouse or your partner or your family or your children or your friends like with low energy, low mood because you're not performing well and how is that going to impact their lives. Yeah. So think of the ra- think of the radiant consequences of your decisions. And I also but then I frame it from a positive perspective of think of the radiant benefits. You mm. know like I, I think it's important for people to contemplate the radiant consequences of their choices so they're not sticking their head in the sand like an ostrich. Of and they they and they then they truly confront The reality that, okay, I'm 50 pounds overweight or I'm hundred pounds overweight. This is not good. Like I cannot act like this is good. And I cannot just have this positive, um, self body affirmation knowing that this is going to take 10 or 20 years off my life. This is not good, but frame it from a positive radiant perspective of, okay, if I improve these things and I make this transition and I shed these skins What are the radiant benefits of that to my children, to my friends, to my family, to my career, to my contribution to the world? Like the thing that I'm good at, maybe I'm not doing that to my capacity because I'm impaired in some way. And maybe the people that will be missing out on my wisdom and my lessons. So for example, if I never got through my social anxiety and worked on the way I communicate, I wouldn't have never shared my story. Mm. And in me not sharing my story, there would be people who would have probably committed suicide, or at the very least, struggled indefinitely with their mental health, had I not, um, to had the courage to do that. And so that's a radiant benefit of me breaking through. Mm-hmm. And so, if you, if you contemplate, and what's the radiant benefit of that? So, like for someone who, yeah, like maybe keeps heard, going right. You understand, right? It's the ripple effect. It's that butterfly effect of. So now that person who changed their life, what is the radiant effect on their family, on their parents, on their relationships with people? And what's the radiant effect of them? And when when you realize that your actions have this butterfly effect that can exponentially change people's lives, that makes everything you do so meaningful. All of a sudden you realize that, hey, I get up in the morning, you know, me doing yoga could unlock someone's mental health where before they were completely disconnected with themselves and unlocking their mental health gives them um, the ability to be more, uh, you know, a better better spouse, a better partner, a better parent, a better Mm -hmm. friend, and they're more available for people in their life. And that to me is like energetic currency. Like that yes. to me is probably the most valuable thing. Cause I think about this at the end of our life, we're just going to have a collection of memories. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I know for me, I'm not going to be concerned or th- even think about, Oh, like, you know, I wish I, you know, got, leaner and body fat for that photo shoot that I did, or I wish that, you know, I, I, I managed to hit, you know, a 600 pound squat instead of 500 pounds, Uh or I wish I ate, you know, I wish I just ate bacon for a little bit longer, you know, like none of those things are going to matter, you know, like the things that will matter will be like, did I have meaningful connection with the people that I care about and meaningful connection with the animals and the sentient beings in my environment? Did I contribute? And, um, If you can look at veganism and plant-based diets and all these things that we've talked about as a gateway for that, it makes it so meaningful. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So that has led you to do coaching and programs with people now. That is what you do and that's what you do with your wife, correct?
1: Yeah, so, you know, like, it, it's funny, the the path that you walk, you know, I never thought that I would be here. If you asked me when I was going back to college to study nutrition and physiology and, and all this stuff, I, I would have never thought that I'd be doing this right now, where now we um, we do a lot of online work, mm-hmm. um, where I've coached, you know, people people from like famous musician Chris Daltrey, who was t- one of the top American Idol con- uh, contest people early on. Um, you know, I'm close friends with him to this day. Um, I've, you know, coached, like I said, former special forces like green beret, um, coach people who have like, you know, like high level entrepreneurs who have podcasts who have interviewed guys like Matthew McConaughey, like just people like, and, and all the way down. And this is not like, you know, talking about just like social accolades, but this is all the way down to just like people who just want a better life. Yeah. you know they, they they enjoy the simplicity of their life. Maybe they're just like a, a mother or a father, and they want to just have a better life. Mm-hmm. and And so, like doing that online, Um, learning how to create those systems and how to communicate through online channels to get people a really good physical result. Um, And then it's gone all the way to like doing immersion trainings with people where at a certain level, people will come out. Like, for example, like I said at uh, at the start, we're going back in our RV very soon and we're heading up to the Smoky Mountains. And I have different students flying out from, you know, California and Arizona and different places to do these one-on-one immersion trainings where we go through lots of core pillars around wow. nutrition training, training, um, ophthalmology, optimization. And um, it, it's, it's, it's super transformative. And so like, I never thought that I would be doing that. And I feel like what I do is I get people in, like you were saying, I meet them where they are. Maybe they come to me and they're purely mo- motivated for health reasons. Mm-hmm. And then as they walk the path, they get more curious. I've had many people walk the path for health reasons, early on, and then they will ask me, like Fraser, why do you do this? And yeah. then that opens the conversation, and then I tell them about all these other things, and I tell them about go, you know, go watch um, Dominion, go watch uh, Cowspiracy, go watch all these different documentaries, go read um, the World Peace Diet by Dr. Will Tuttle, and they'll start to learn about the other drivers. Yeah, and I say, and I say to them, look if you are super healthy doing this and you're in the best condition of your life why not attach more motivations to doing this so you stand the test of time right why just have one like why just have one motivation if you can understand all the motivations and so they then start learning about all these other reasons and it just opens the door and it really keeps them involved in the lifestyle and um so it's it's been a it's been a really fun experience, you know. and I never thought that I'd, I would be here, but it's almost like it's evolved through me recognizing there's a need for it, yeah. And seeing seeing there was a gap in the market, so to speak, or a gap in the world or in the industries that I could fill mm-hmm. with this type of guidance and knowledge and systems. And um, it's been really fun, you know, it's been fun to see these people come through from all different walks of life, um, you know, first responders and, and like, you know, s- stay at home mothers who are homeschooling and they have five kids. Mm. Like, I mean, that in and of itself is like a monumental task. Um, yeah. And so like people with all different challenges, you know, people yeah. who have come to me with cancer. Uh, people who have had all kinds of like autoimmune challenges and and different conditions that the allopathic sort of mainstream conventional system told them that they either couldn't change or would just have to medicate. Yeah. And um, I'm not like you know bagging down on the system. I recognise that in acute situations for you know certain instances is a time and place for those things. Of course. But I am a I'm an example that even the experts. Um. who told me, okay, you know, your bipolar disorder, you'll be on these medications for the rest of your life. Um, I'm an example that they, not everyone has the answers all the time. Right. And that, that's what inspires me, that notion. And then that fuels me to think, okay, what else don't I know? What else is uncharted territory? What else is out there that experts are saying, this is the right way to do it and it's actually probably not the right way to do it or Mm -hmm. it's only it's one of many ways to do it and so it's not to say that I am uh, hesitant with experts but I always do my own research and I always you know
0: and I think that the the beautiful thing you're describing too is like we were talking about the ripple effects before is those ripple effects of working with people I always joke but it's so true that I love working with people and it's a selfish act sometimes because then I know that they're going to go out and do great things too. And then like, that's going to be better and the world's going to be better. And it's kind of idealistic, but if I didn't have that image, I don't know why I would be doing it.
1: And and also like that, I think is a huge driver for me. And the other thing is that I find that the more I teach these concepts, it just can further reinforces them back into yourself. Yes. So, you know, like it's one thing, it's one thing to hear something, It's one thing to write it down. It's another thing to do it yourself. It's another thing to do it and talk about it. It's another thing entirely to teach it.
0: Yes. If you,
1: if you, so that's what I say to my, my students is I'm like, go out there and teach what I'm telling you. Teach like, you know, if you, if you're putting a meal together and you're one of your family members is saying, you know, why, you know, why are you doing that or whatever, To the best of your knowledge and ability, teach them, show them, explain it. And because it's going to reinforce it back into you even more. Like I noticed that when I'm giving my students uh, guidance and uh, things to do, it reinforces those lessons back into myself. And I actually stick with my own advice even more. Like you move further and further away from being a hypocrite because you because you have this desire to be in total alignment. So you'll give people suggestions on, on yoga or on health, and then you'll go out and you'll actually do that yourself. (laughs) That's
0: so, 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 so true. I have found that um, entirely. Well, so two things. One, um, I forgot to mention this in the beginning, but if you're down, I've got like 10 or 11 questions for kind of a Patreon bonus to do at the end for listeners. Um, But before that, is there anything that you want to share or I haven't given you space to that you're like, I need to say this to the people?
1: No, I think everything, I think we talked about a lot of good stuff. You know, I think I, I just say to people, start where you are, start them perfectly um, recognize that you don't have to have it all figured out. Take one day at a time. Um, look, use a litmus test to look for people who have the results that you want in your life and model yeah. from them and, um, don't be discouraged uh, when people around you, quote unquote, don't support you. Most mm. people can't even. Most people can't even support themselves. Mm. Um, the fact that they don't support you, they probably don't even support themselves and their own journey. Of course, they're not going to support you. The the, more, the sooner you can detach from that outcome, you can start actually actualizing your own potential. Um, and I think just to really focus on recognizing that if you can create the right environment for yourself, environment Mm -hmm. is a big part of it. So like you can have a good diet, you can do read all the books and do all the meditations. But if you're not in a, you need to make sure that your environment's conducive with like where you want to go. And so whether that's like living in the mountains or whether that is, you know, like I said, um, you know, me going to the gym in the morning and looking forward to that as a byproduct, I stopped going out at nighttime and I stopped doing, you know, like, you the typical people that will go out at night drinking looking you know for parties, trouble whatever you automatically change your environment and that to me is a huge catalyst in changing your life and so that's what i would tell people to do is like look for ways to seed new habits and routines and environments into your life so you can make a transition away from those old environments because when you do that change is like a byproduct
0: yes so, yeah Yes. That's like, I feel like you just like summarized the episode. That was perfect. <laughs> <I> <laughs> like, like that. And <laughs> that was that. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for joining me. Where can people get a hold of you after this? Cause I know they're going to want to look you up.
1: Yeah. So if they just search me that obviously I have my profile on uh, Facebook, Fraser Bailey, F R A S E R B A Y L E Y. That's my personal profile. We have veg up on uh, Facebook as well. So you search veg up, that'll be Facebook on Instagram with veg up life. So at veg up life, um and uh you know veguplife.com. and i have a podcast called veg up as well veg up podcast um i guess i can just give you any of the links and you can just put them in the show notes as well and people can plug that stuff in so yeah
0: perfect thank you so much for all of that
1: you're very welcome thank you for having me on
0: of course Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you enjoyed that episode, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. If you want to help me get this into the ears of more listeners, send it to a friend, text it to a family member, share on social media, and tag me. Whatever you can do really helps me out. If you're on Apple Podcasts, go ahead, leave a review so other people can see them too. And if you haven't yet, head over to patreon.com consciouslycarly. I would love to have you over there. We are growing a community of people who want to learn and grow. There's yoga, there's meditation, there's vegan recipes, so much more. It's been really, really fun,
1: and I hope you will join us. Until next time.